For decades, the picture of financial planning looked like this. Work hard and save your money. And eventually, you'll be able to afford a house and a comfortable retirement. But for many young Canadians, that picture is starting to look very different. Back in the day, yeah, you could get a house and everything, but you could put that same amount of work in, like right now, and you would not be able to get a house. You might be able to pay for some apartment months and some food, and that's about it. With all that hard work, it's you don't really see much for it these days. Welcome to The Great Disconnect, a podcast series from the Manitoba Financial Services Agency. This season, we'll talk about the financial obstacles facing young Canadians, and we'll dig into some of the ways they can take back control. I'm Ainsley Cunningham, Manager of Education and Communications with the Manitoba Financial Services Agency. Over the next six episodes, we'll explore financial issues ranging from the high cost of living to the new technologies that are changing the world of money. But for this episode, I'd like to start with the voices of the young people themselves. So uh, to get started, what we're going to do is just go down the row here and ask everybody to... In a conference room at the Manitoba Financial Services Agency office in Winnipeg, a group of young people sit around a table, cans of soda in front of them. They're here to talk about that most tricky of subjects, money. I feel like that's a hard one because these days, like, we're supposed to go to school, get a good job, settle down. But in the same breath, we're not being taught what we need to. to. So an apartment now, I think, is like for a basic is around 1500 just for something simple. You times that by 10, you're paying for a down payment on a house. How does that make sense? Like It's like we're really being scammed either way. It doesn't make any sense. Going around the table, the young people gathered here explain how their financial reality looks different from their parents. I think um, things have changed so far. So in terms of how much they spend buying a house when they were my age, it's probably not the same amount I need to spend right now. I'm coupled with the fact that um, there's so much happening in the economy, so it's even tougher for younger people to just like have that kind of um, headway or I don't know if it was a headway they had at that point, but just it's just different now. It's getting pre-approved for a mortgage or getting approved for an apartment. So some apartments are like so expensive right now. And how their family background shapes how they relate to money even now. I grew up with a single parent and uh, my mom always emphasized being self-sufficient and not don't depending on someone else financially. So it was always really important that, um, you know, I get a good education, get a, a well-paying job so that I was never dependent on another person financially that I could take care of myself and, um, you know, make, you know, if I ever am in like a relationship, I always have, um, you know, the, the ability to leave and that kind of, that kind of thing. So that always was very much like a part of, you know, my growing up is like making sure that you can, you're self-sufficient and able to take care of yourself. And I find even as an adult now, I'm very conscious about not, you know, I have a hard time almost buying re- things that I view as like expensive or like luxury sort of items. Like I feel really guilty um, to this day. I, I still like thrift and try to, you know, kind of do like, be be really conscious of like what I'm spending like my spare money on and that kind of thing. So it's like anytime I do buy myself something really nice, it's like I always I'll keep the tag on for a while or I'll hold on to the receipt. Like I almost feel like it's like a, I should maybe I should return it or something like that. There's that that underlying guilt of buying kind of like bigger purchases. In some cases, this means budgeting is a part of financial planning. Before I started university, I used to depend on my parents economically. 
And when I was assigned to to pay for all of my expenses, which is hydro, laundry, my books, that's when I understood the value of money and how to administrate my spendings because now I was not depending on my parents anymore, but on myself. For others, investing is part of the path to a more stable financial future. Uh, I feel that investment is a very important part of uh, of the life of a younger generation like us. Uh, initially, I didn't used to do it. Uh, and I used to spend a lot of money on um, wasteful things, on luxuries, as she said. But eventually, I realized that I need to save money for my education. I need to upgrade myself. And I started investing. Um, after the pandemic, uh, I start after the pandemic I started investing in stocks and yeah it turned out good for me uh, I almost earned around 40% return from my portfolio and I I was able to uh, pay half of my fees of University of Manitoba and eased out the burden on my parents so investing is really a very important aspect of a student's life but even for those interested in investing they're sorting through more information than ever. Every bit of information, I believe, before investing is important. And we have to make sense of the information that we get. Because sometimes people give advice, but it is not absolutely right. We have to make mistakes first. It is not like that, that first time we will make investment and it will be it will go right. Because I remember when I started day trading um, back in 2014, 2015, I made mistakes. And... Because I made mistakes, I started learning. You know, how, why I'm making this mistake? What I have to do to you know stop making that mistake? When I have to invest in ETFs? When I have to invest in the stocks? Uh, and how to study the balance sheet of a company? All of this adds up to a financial picture that the young people gathered here say is very different from past generations. And so it's just different for us to like do the same things that they did when they were our ages. And so. It's kind of good for older folks to understand. I think most of the older folks I know understand that. But sometimes I think it's been nicer for everyone to just kind of get that. The five sitting around this table aren't the only young Canadians navigating an uncertain world. Between the rising costs of living, growing household and government debt, and increasing economic instability... Planning for the future for many young people feels more complicated than ever. A 2022 StatsCan survey found only 63% of 15 to 34-year-olds had a positive view of the future, down 15% from 2016. Meanwhile, young people are making financial decisions in a time of technological change, from the rise of do-it-yourself investing to the advent of cryptocurrency. With so much happening, and so much to think about, it can feel overwhelming. And that's why young people and experts alike say we need to talk more about finances. You know, we we don't learn that financial literacy in school, uh, or we didn't. Uh, and for many households, it's not talked about. And I, I do think a big part of that is there's many households whose parents um, did have pension and didn't really you know, maybe need to or have to save on the side. So it just wasn't the forefront of their mind. Uh, so really, I think sometimes the younger generation is forced to sort of learn um, as, they're, as they're moving along through it. And I think it's so important because 
there's so much information out there, more so now than ever. Um, and uh, I think you need to understand the different aspects of um, the financial world and that financial literacy to navigate that. With this podcast, we're starting that conversation. In the episodes ahead, we'll hear from financial planners, influencers, and researchers about the conditions and attitudes shaping young people's financial future. There are some sort of built-in norms or assumptions that can mask some problematic power dynamics. And one of them, I would say, is this tendency to hear that, you know, younger people are lazy, they want it all, they're so entitled, they drink too many coffees, they eat too much avocado toast. It's all become a cliche now. The problem is that those cliches can have such impact on the assumptions that are made by younger people. And too many younger people believe these myths that are so disempowering. And so they internalize, I must be doing something wrong. I must be personally failing because it's harder to launch. It's harder to establish my own financial foundation, even though I've now got gone to score more than people did in the past. And now maybe I have more degrees. And in fact, I'm willing to pay more for rent and I'm willing to work for less. I, those are all a whole bunch of adaptations individuals are making. And even still, it doesn't actually allow a security that was you know, much more common. We were hoping we could count on back in the day when boomers were coming of age. And so we need a younger demographic to resist the idea that somehow they're personally failing. And that doesn't mean we don't want them to work hard, but just resist the idea that when your hard work doesn't pay off as well as it did in the past, that's not a personal failure. That is a systems failure. That's it for this episode of The Great Disconnect. Thanks for listening. Next time on the podcast, we'll hear about how people are navigating the dramatic shift in the financial picture of young Canadians, the rising cost of housing. The earnings for millennials today aren't has haven't fallen as far behind boomers as uh, did the Gen Xers, but what's so fundamentally different is housing. So it's just that housing has been going up and up and up and up. And even as earnings for a millennial demographic might be, you know, doing okay, um, they just can't keep pace with this insanity that we've tolerated in our housing system. That's next time on The Great Disconnect. <laughs>